what's better, beach volleyball or beach football? Doubles football, whatever they called it. That, that's dog a, fight football. Dog, dog fight, fight football. football. All time offense. Yeah. All offense all the time. Yeah. Well, or all, Which well, is very fun. Offense and defense simultaneously. That's I was right. going to make this uh, comment in my review, but I, I love that there is a Shane Black stand in in the form of Bob. Yeah. <laughs> who looks just like Shane Black. He does, he sure very, does. very predator era and Shane Black. Very dweeby. Yes. I love Bob, predictably. I, I, well, I like Bob Classic a lot. Classic Bob. Bob yeah. is my favorite one, I think. Oh, Bob and Phoenix. Yeah, I'm shipping Good it. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I would ship that, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You got very um, excited about that for some reason. No, no. I, I he think knows I'm right. Is it, he, well, no. he knows. Well, I wasn't that you're right. It's the way he was I, <laughs> anticipating I it. I just thought it was a good observation. <laughs> he, he just loves love. I, 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 it's right. I love love. Um, and I, I think that's a, that is a true love right there. Um, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast. We gather around a table, we discuss the films you'll never discuss in film studies course. This week's film is Top Gun Maverick. Top in, Gun 2, Top Gunner. In, <laughs> top Gun, yes. Gun Topper? Yeah, you didn't want to say it, but <laughs> I, I'll say it. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to be doing the uh, top grossing film of 2022, as we as used to As of recording. That's yeah, it, it could I change. don't know is that Wakanda... Avatar can overtake it in three weeks. Yeah, I mean, how does Wakanda, forever, does Wakanda can... forever give it a run for its money? I don't think. I mean, it's three or four hundred billion, or three hundred four million away. Yeah, wow. domestically, domestically, wow. yeah. So it's got some time. And Worldwide, so... the only option that was close was Jurassic World Dominion because mm. it, it clocked in at a billion. Yeah, wow. but this is like sense. at a billion, two billion, three. Wow, this wow. was even worldwide. Globally? Yeah, it's so that's the worldwide total. Damn, that's so, an enormous I think that's without China. Well, yeah, this didn't. Which is even more impressive. Yeah. That's very impressive. Wow, I didn't realize it didn't play in China at all. Wow. I don't think it did. No, I don't think. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. All right, well, there you go. It's a very, very successful movie, um, depending on your metric for success. But if Dollar Bills is your metric for success, it is the most successful film of this last year. Um, I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I'm still Dalton. And at the end of January, we'll probably argue that other films are more successful. Although some of us might not. I, I won't. I, I yeah, will, that's what I was about to say. I will contest that a number of films are more successful. In fact, every film I will say will be more successful than this. But anyway. No. We move on. This will be an interesting episode, I can tell already. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Well, look, I mean, not to gild the lily too much, but uh, I'm, I'm Saul Tenser in uh, Crimes of the Future about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just watched the guy with the ears dance, and I'm like, yeah, it's okay if you like escape his propaganda. It, well, yeah, that's that's exactly where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, I totally yeah. we're salt tensor mode. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely salt tensor mode. Um, that is going to be a new bit. I love being salt tensor mode. Yeah. Uh, so with that, um, we want to warn you, dear listener, this is a analysis show, not a review show, and that does mean we're going to spoil it. Um, but... It's a Tom Cruise vanity project, so what do you think is going to happen? But we're going to try to spoil it, not to spoil it anyway. Uh, and the way we're going to do that is we're going to offer a synopsis, which will be like a synopsis you read on IMDb, which will give anything away. And then we'll do thumbs up, thumbs and reviews, which will tell you that the movie is about airplanes. And then we'll move on to our expanding the syllabus, which might involve just the gentlest of spoilers of this film and films of its ilk and then we'll move on into business there's music to let you know we've gotten down to business and that's when you know all spoiler bets are off you know who lives who dies whether or not they succeed in the mission whether or not there even is a mission you'll find out all of that well we'll probably know that there's a mission there's always a well mission. there wasn't a mission in the first there was not there a mission was not. In the first. no you know, I, I always wondered about that and just anyway that's that's a question i had about the original top gun always well, well, back in the, in the Cold War, you couldn't just make up a war. It made people too uncomfortable to make up war. Now you can do it because nothing means anything. <laughs> Correct. And oh, more on that when we get to analysis. But nonetheless, <laughs> let's <laughs> let us <laughs> 
Let us hear a synopsis, um, Dr. Reverend Arthur Gordon. After disobeying orders and destroying Dark Star, a state-of-the-art fighter jet, in order to break Mach 10, Pete Maverick Mitchell is grounded and sent back to the Top Gun program to train a new group of students to take on a near-impossible mission. Including Bradley Bradshaw. A near-impossible mission? Near-impossible. Like Almost like a Mission Impossible starring yeah. Tom Cruise. Interesting. Well done. I like I like your wordplay there, Mike. I was going to try to get Rooster in there, but it seemed like a whole other it's thing. It's just funny to me that his name's Bradley Bradshaw. Love it. Uh, I, I, you know, so funny. What, what, what was Goose's first name? Do you remember? They, they show it in the movie, and I've already forgotten. Oh, okay. <laughs> I try to forget that first movie existed. Uh, well, this is definitely better than that first movie. 100%. I think. Are we all on the same page about that? Yes. No? You don't? You like the first one? I don't know. Well, I was. That's I don't. One, I, I, I'm, I'm like. I really don't. Genuinely don't. That's know. That's totally fair. I mean, I we did it on the show. You weren't on that episode. That's what I was about it was to just say. me and him. It was one of the few that I wasn't on. And I yeah, don't like it. I haven't rewatched at it. all. Yeah. I don't dislike it. That's. I don't. It's dis- my least favorite Tony Scott project. Probably my least favorite Tom Cruise project. Wow, wow. You prefer Days of Thunder, huh? Oh, Days of Thunder's head and shoulders. That's better right. Movie. I knew you love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Get out of here. Interesting. Taste huh. Thunder's great. Well, let's talk about this one, whether we like it. We've um, already started tipping our hands. Yeah. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Go Dalton. Oh, you go with me first? Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I uh, like to mess with things. <laughs> I probably should have seen this in IMAX. You know, I, I wish I'd gotten around to it, but I had enough people tell me it's just okay that I was like, all right, well, you know, it is, it's not going to be a huge priority. And unfortunately, I, I just kept it kept not being a priority, even in its when it got its re-release. Uh, and I think if I had seen this in IMAX, I probably would have had a fabulous time on my TV at home. It was just okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. The dog fights look pretty freaking cool. Uh, I, I think all the airplane photography looks really neat when they use CGI. You can barely tell it's like really well composited stuff. Um, I, I, I am really blown away with sort of the action photography. I, I, I think it is a pretty remarkable looking film as far as, uh, doing air stunts. Uh, but I'm a little cold on the story. You know, I, I'm kind of a Miles Teller fan, as problematic mm-hmm. as he is. He seems like he's kind of an asshole. But I, I generally like him. Uh, and I just don't buy that he's got the dead dad chip on his shoulder, man. I, You know, it doesn't come across for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it doesn't really... It feels forced when he's telling Tom Cruise you killed my dad. And I, that should be really believable. Uh, and maybe it's because of the reason that he's actually mad at him is kind of dumb and I don't really buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's the, the, the movie needs to gin up uh, conflict for them to have with mm-hmm. each other. And I don't know that it does so very successfully. Mm-hmm. I also don't know how well Jennifer Connelly's integrated into this. Uh, it's, it's really fun for her to show up and be like, Oh, Maverick, it's been so good to know you since we met right after Top Gun ended. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, I just, it really, it's very cool. I love that. They just pretend she's been there the whole time. That is the good way, the right way to play it. Absolutely. I it is kind of goofy still. And she is like a screenwriter's <laughs> idea of a hot single mom. She sails. She owns a bar. She's got those eyebrows. She's Jennifer Connelly. She's still Jennifer Connelly. She's yeah. great. I mean, don't be, no, do not mistake this for me besmirching the good name Jennifer Connelly. I just don't know how well integrated the characters into the film. And that's because this is a movie about character. It's a movie about airplanes mm-hmm. uh, and Pete Maverick Mitchell and occasionally Glenn Powell looking hot. It does. It is about that sometimes. MVP. Uh, Jordan Searless uh, said that he's coming from McConaughey's hot Texas boy crown, which mm-hmm. I think he is. I think he might be. He wants he might get it too. Yeah, Glenn Powell's come for that crown. Uh, I don't know. It's fine. Yeah, I, I already said what I think about it. It's all right if you like Escape as propaganda. Uh, 
do I begrudge the movie its success? Hell yes, I do, because I'm a little, I'm a little, little goblin, and I'm in goblin mode. Are you in goblin? Mode? I am in goblin <laughs> mode, and I'm gonna be mad when the 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 uh, commercial for the Navy makes a billion dollars. I'm just gonna be mad about it. It's, you know what? I will say this: at least they're not pretending it's not about the military like the superhero movies do. Mm-hmm. At least it is being straight up about what it is, and I do respect it at that level. And again. I think as far as action movies go, it's pretty successful as one. It just doesn't, you know, connect with me as much emotionally as I think it should. And I don't know if that's because they break the rules at the end of the movie. You know, they sort of take the military chain of command pretty seriously in this. And then they they just pretend that you're allowed to do whatever you want in the military at the end, which happens in armed forces movies a lot. It's weird that yeah, the, the real life Tom Cruise is court-martialed in the first so many minutes. times. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, everybody's getting court-martialed after that. He's last probably court-martialed in the first movie. Actually, now that I think about it. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's already court- boring at that point though. He's already court-martialed. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Then that's it's so a few sh- good men. Yeah. It's so interesting <laughs> to me. The, 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 the Tom Cruise as Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's interesting to me what the DOD will sign off on. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll be like, no, yeah, you can show a, a captain completely disregarding orders. So that's yeah. fine. We're Just cool no suicides. Well, yeah, the, no they, suicides. They Everything pretend like on the table. <laughs> they'll pretend like you still get to be a Can't person. Date officers. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else is on the table. <laughs> and and not a number. And then they'll let you get in. And then you'll know you're a number now. That's mm-hmm. that's the idea. Yeah. But, so yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I like it. Okay, Arthur. I know you love this movie. What, tell me why it kicks ass. Uh, in 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 the era of the House of Mouse, when everything is on a green screen, mm-hmm. uh, to see real actors in real. Uh, F-18s doing real stunts uh, is wild uh, in the behind the scenes stuff it comes up a number of times obviously as you know marketing but you know they don't make movies like this anymore and that's 110% accurate though like and, and w- there's a distinction here because you know there are films right and independent film is at an all-time high in these sorts of dramas and prestige films nothing's changed there but the tentpole spectacle film Mm -hmm. of 60s the 70s the 50s the 90s doesn't exist anymore in in this way in this tactile way the last Mm -hmm. time we had a chance was fury road yeah which very much had that feel well and and the christopher mcquarrie and mission impossible i guess and mcquarrie's producer here right well he is but i i guess i should even give credit to like mission impossible three and four still also doing the same thing yeah And, and there's a way in which you know tom cruise has tried to keep the spectacle in cinema mm-hmm. in, in a way that movies don't feel like they do anymore. And so, you know, to, to see, I mean, the Cinejets, which are filming these, these F-18s mm-hmm. flying because the helicopters can't keep up with them. So they've got cinema jets coming in to cool. film them. Cool. Which right. is too, super cool. The, cool. <laughs> the way that they had to redesign cameras to fit inside the F-18s with 6K cameras. Right. Right. I mean, it, it's very technically ahead of its time. I mean, it's, it's advancing the game in those ways. It's getting stuff that's never been filmed before on screen and and it's making movies exciting in a way that they haven't felt exciting in a long time. Can you explain to me, you watch behind the scenes stuff, how I I was wondering every time there was a plane with two people in it, when, when, you know, it's when they're pretending that Maverick and Rooster can fly an F-18 without somebody in the gunner seat. I was like, well, okay, they had to make room for the camera. That's a 14, but go on. Well, that's that's the 18, then they crash it, and then they hijack the 14. 14. Right, right. That's that's the only time they're together, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I meant, though. When they're by themselves, the movie's like (laughs) pretending that they don't need a second, like a co-pilot. Right, right, right. That's what I was like, okay, well, whatever, we can, you know, they need somebody room for the camera. In like the the airplane with like Phoenix and Bob, how are how are they shooting that? Like there are cameras mounted in 
that Who's the actors fly? are controlling. Okay. The, the actors, actors are flying. The actors are flying those. Yeah, they're they're flying. The they F-18. taught everybody how to fly. Yeah, yeah. I, F- wow, they're all cool. flying real F-18s. So oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. They went through. I, actually, a, I didn't know that. I think a yeah, that, that four to six month flight program that Cruz put together. Wow. He started them in Cessnas, mm-hmm. and they worked up to the F-18s. Wow. And they went through military training, Air Force training. They had to do underwater swim training with you know the gear on, mm-hmm. how to parachute. They went through the whole thing. Yeah, those are one-seater F-18s. Yeah, those and, are the E's, yeah. And the thing is, they, they designed the cameras. They're 6K IMAX quality cameras mm-hmm. that they redesigned to put in there. The actors are calling slate. The actors are running the cameras. They're running the lines. They can't communicate with the ground. Mm-hmm. So they're running everybody's lines in their head so that they can react. And they're capturing any time they went in the air, they captured the footage. That's awesome. I yeah. just assumed that they had real pilots piloting and then the no. actors were acting. No. I knew they were really yeah. in the air, yeah. Uh, but that's awesome. Wow, okay, yeah. cool. And then you've got the Cinejets who are doing the aerial photography yes. with them. And then the, the P-51 Mustang at the end mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Tom Cruise's personal plane. Of course it is. That he took Connolly up in. Yeah, because captured. I'm telling you what, Pete Mitchell does not own a P-51 Mustang. No. That's <laughs> no, Yeah, how does he afford to just live in a hangar? And yeah. they are not important. filming at one of the private secret objects. Uh, Naval Studios. Oh, really? Yeah, that nobody has kind of filmed that before. Like they got permission. Uh, so they're like flying in restricted airspace. Yeah, that's cool. And that like that base, that bunker where they're working on the Dark Star, mm-hmm. which they developed for this movie with a flight. They divided, developed a flake fake plane for the movie. Yeah. Wow. Did that did, was that that plane actually work? I don't know. I mean, I think so to the extent. That, that it would fly. Yeah, it gets yeah. Yeah. Dude, I, I, I didn't go Mach no, 10. No, I didn't think Tom Cruise went yeah, Mach yeah. 10. Yeah. <laughs> he's not, he not the fastest man alive. No. But there's, I mean, there's, you know, a very old school style of movie making here that's Absolutely. just not done anymore. And mm-hmm. there's something so appealing. And, and the thing about it, I mean, it comes out on May 27th, seven months ago. I went and saw it in IMAX yesterday. Wait, really? Yeah. It's in IMAX right now? Yeah. Oh, I had no idea. I went and saw it okay. yesterday. Wow. In IMAX. Huh. Huh. To watch it for the show. Wow. Right? I mean, the legs it's had yeah. and the way in which it's connected with audiences has been really interesting because it reminds them, I think, of a different time in mm. movies as well. Mm. Yeah. Because people I talk to who don't watch a lot of movies, right, and they're not really into the artsy-fartsy type stuff, like, they're pretty disenfranchised by Marvel-type stuff, House of Mouse-type stuff. That's all kind of falling apart. It doesn't for them. appeal to everybody. Yeah. yeah. But there's something about this that is united audiences. And I'll get to it in my syllabus later, but there's, I think, a magic to this that there will be kids who watch this who'll be like, I want to make movies mm. and tell stories. Mm-hmm. And they may tell stories that are deeper than Navy propaganda. Yeah. And there's just, I mean, I laugh, I cry. Uh, I don't know why, uh, but I teared up when he uh, shows up to run the, the test path. You know when he shows oh, up, yeah, 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 to do the to do the path, yeah, and they're all like, "Who's that?" Yeah, right. you know, uh, I, I, it gets me when uh, when uh, Rooster sits down to do uh, Great Balls of Fire. That actually hits. Yeah, that, yeah. that worked on me. And like, I think the so other thing, well. I think scripting wise, I, I I don't disagree that there are flaws. I think I see, there yeah, are no, flat I elements. I saw on your face that you were like kind of yeah, connecting with. Some I, of my I think there are. Th- I mean, they're just cheesy lines, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you know. Uh, John Hamm says, I don't know if I should state my career or the mission. On, you know, something yeah. like that. Like, hey, it's such a movie. cliche line. Yeah. But it's delivered so well by John Hamm that it works. Tom Cruise literally throws away the rule book. And you, yeah. you know a minute before he does it that he's going to do it. Yeah. Like, those right. things are there. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I don't think it's perfect in that way. I think it has flaws. But there's a magic to it. There's just a way it works um, for me. And just to see it and just be completely enthralled by mm-hmm. what I know is 
something real on screen mm-hmm. and to be swept away in it for two hours and, and very immersed into it and to see who's arguably the last movie star in, in a very certain way. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, Denzel's still around, Clooney's still around, but they're not opening movies. Like They're not Mr. Movies. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's something about that. I can't believe that man's 60 years old. Yeah. And it's weird. You know, I he's going to be the first martyr of cinema, I, I think. I, I think we will see him die. Well, he won't be the first. <laughs> He'll screen. just be the, the biggest, highest profile. Yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it'll happen. I'm right there with you, I, I mean, the, the guy is just bizarre. He won't rest until a, it does it's happen. Fa- you know, he has this fascination with aviation and flying. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because it's the closest he can become to God. Right, I right, mean, right. He, his... one one of my favorite Letterboxd reviews of this movie is, "I think Xenu is real." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love it. I, I've seen it four times. I, I just go for it every time. Uh, big screen, small screen. I, I, I dig it, and I hate the first one. I'm not a airplane guy. I, I yeah. you know, as a kid, I didn't, you know, I wasn't into airplanes. I don't like military movies. I'm not a big war movie guy. Yeah. And so it, it doesn't check those boxes for me. But there's just something about. The charisma of a Tom Cruise, the charisma that that moment he has with Connolly in the bar when they first meet, it works so good. Dynamite, yeah. yeah. And I'll then you bring that. in Glenn Powell, who, man, MVP. Oof. And Phoenix is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bob is a hoot. Like, Love there's Bob. something very 70s, 80s about this, like assembling a team kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. 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 And well, they and do a good job of, of them, giving right? everybody just enough personality, just enough of a different yeah. look. Yeah, even though they're all in the same uniform, yeah. you can still tell mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, and Rooster shows up out of uniform. Like, yeah, that's a fun choice. Yeah, right. bad boy. But then scripting wise, it does a smart thing. Uh, in it gives us everything we need to know about the first one. So quick, so simple. Yeah, that mm-hmm. you don't have to watch it to enjoy this and being connected with it. I think. So. Right. Anyway, yeah, I'll praise it to high heaven. So sorry. No, I'm taking up a lot of your time. No, thank you for telling us why it works. All right. Um. So I also like the movie, and I I, I think it's very much to me. It, it it's effective to me like Avatar was. Um, I am impressed by its achievement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the narrative itself, I don't really care much mm-hmm. for one way or the other. And, uh, and so it's just, it's, that's all fine. It is Star Wars A New Hope, right? Dude, they run the trench mission. They run the trench mission. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, 100%. I, 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 yeah, I used to, I, New Hope. They're blowing up the Death Star. You yeah. know, yeah. I, I used to peg womp rats on my <laughs> X 14 yeah. back home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's exactly Rooster that. Rooster had to go into Tashi Station to pick up power converters. Yeah, he did. I mean, so it's, it's got, you know, all of it, and that's fine. I don't I don't mind cribbing from other stories. I mean, stories are always cobbled together from various sources, and that that's totally fine. Um, but yeah, I, I think that it's. It is it is an excellent visual spectacular achievement over what what well, what typically those kinds of movies are, which is over a pretty you know cut and dried kind of narrative. And fine, you know, again, a good time, good movie. Um, I like planes, and so I'm I'm there with that. I do feel like, and you guys maybe can help me because I've been distracted both times I watched this movie. Um, I do feel like, um, what is the explanation of why they're using F-18s instead of F-22s? Or thirty five. It's because it has something to do with like how low they need to fly and that they need to drop a bomb. Like it's it's it has to do with like it's just okay. the perfect plane for the mission. Okay. Because their altitude is like what hundred feet. Yeah. Because they, they say so. Yeah. They, okay. Because they say because they say it's the perfect plane for the mission. All right. Well, I mean, all right. Fine. I mean, and that I mean, probably because that's what they could get sign off on. Because yeah. the F twenty two is the fifth generation fighter from the Americans. Yeah. yeah. Um, so or the thirty five. Well, but uh, Dustin, if they use a fifth generation fighter, then they don't get to have bad th- guys with better equipment, right? And that. That is truly what America wants. This is an underdog story. Yeah. Is America as an underdog. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Will Miniker from uh, Chapo Trap House had a really funny review on Letterboxd. It kind of talks about like 
the the mythical America that this takes place in. I right, it was really funny. Yeah, uh, so I mean th- that this one thing I'm, I'm watching the movie, I'm just going, wait a minute, we do have a plane that does that, but fine, whatever, um, whatever. That's that again. That's not. I'm not trying to like Neil deGrasse Tyson the physics of this. I, that's that surprisingly that's, does not. Well, I've been reading and watching The Expanse, and they talk about gravity a lot in that book series. And I was thinking about that when they have to go Mach 10. I was like, all right, all of them are stroke risk right now. Right, every yeah, single very, one. Of very them. close. Like, to they death. could just be dead because their body says so but that being said uh it works uh we haven't talked about val kilmer and did that work on you man yes it did both times interesting both times um and i and i think it's honestly because of real life not so much because of mm-hmm. the scene they have together really worked on me them yeah. killing him didn't really work on me it makes uh, sense that they do it does yeah but, but he can't really do much the fact that he has a scene that really uh, yeah, yeah i think it's good it yeah. mo- it's a good payoff uh, yeah yeah, for sure. And that he makes Admiral, I, I think that makes a lot of sense, mm-hmm. you know, to do that. Although fighter pilot captains don't typically make Admiral, but that's fine. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> anyway, um, it's fine. That, In that, the expanded universe. Okay, I, I will With the military. <laughs> I, will, I will knock it off. But the, the point is, I, I don't care about, I don't care about the possibilities. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not playing no, that. Yeah. But um, I, I, I will a little bit later. But I love that they have him in there. And I love that he has that scene. Um, now, my understanding, though, and this is another question I just have, Val Kilmer's voice is gone. So they've, is there someone else who does a growly voice for that little bit of spoken whispered bit? They're not mistaken. They reconstruct it. He can speak with a box, so I wondered if he did some VO, but he doesn't sound like that. So yeah, maybe they did do some voice reconstruction. Somebody do that for that, you know, which is fine. Have Um, you seen the uh, documentary that he did? I haven't seen it yet. It's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's really it's on my list of things to catch. Oh, that picture of Val. Ooh. Um, But anyway, uh, yeah, it works for me. Uh, I really enjoy it. But as I really much more enjoy it from a technical standpoint. As far as a a movie, movie goes, it's it's just fine. They reconstructed it through our. Archival oh really footage of his voice and then gotcha. they gra- and then they graveled it yeah, up probably yeah. yeah okay well that's good um I, I like i like that they were able to do that and he was able to have those those verbal lines i think yeah. what needs to happen uh yeah. for the film to work so um that all works for me i i like jennifer connelly so i'm i forgive all period of that. i just yeah <laughs> she's great end of statement end of discussion um, she leaves that door open so and uh, it's a great moment uh, yeah i forgive all of it would you go sailing with Jennifer Connelly? Uh, yes, right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know, they did Kelly McGillis dirty, and we gotta admit it. Yeah, uh, yeah. but what was, what was he? I mean, I don't know what the behind the scenes she was. She aged like a real person. Yeah. Did she? That, uh, I mean, yeah. That's, that's what it is. Kelly McGillis is 60. She doesn't she look like, like what a six year old looks a like. A Superman Tom Cruise is at work. Yeah. And, she hasn't had stem cell shot into her face and, on nonstop for the last 30 years. Yeah, that checks out. So, mm-hmm. sacrificed young actresses at the temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's problematic there. But um, other than that, as far as a movie goes, it it works, but it works like Avatar worked. It's like, I think, I still think, I watched Avatar this semester as well. I taught it in a different class and uh, used it for a point that I was trying to make. And uh, watching the movie, I'm, I'm still just astounded by its achievement, mm-hmm. but I don't care at all about what it's about. And that's kind of where I fall with this one. I, I don't care at all what it's about. Um, I do see the, the cracks of the Tom Cruise Vanity Project throughout, and I go, well, all right, fine. But... Yeah, that that's where I feel about it narratively speaking. But I I would watch it again. I mean, because it is very very fun. So um, I guess I don't know what, what, what kind of middling review that is between you and Arthur, but I think it is somewhere between the two of you. Uh, I think you and yeah, maybe. I th- I think I might be closer to you than you think. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I like it. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Those are our thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. Uh, let's move on to the next part of our show, where we do a thing called expanding the syllabus. Arthur, could you explain to the dear listener what that's all about? 
Expanding the syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the hosts, assemble an academic course or module within a course based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent texts, from books and articles to tangentially related films and stories. Very good, very good. Thank you very much for that. Arthur, Um, do you have a syllabus prepared today? Yeah, I do. And I, and I think this would be within a course on, I don't know, either production or essentially it would boil down to exhibition, mm-hmm. I think is the question that we would essentially wrestle with. And I don't know if that would be a course on exhibition or just part of a production at large type mm-hmm. of class. Or an intro course, yeah. Yeah, because I think the question that I'd want to wrestle with, and we've talked about it a few times throughout our history uh, in just in personal conversation on the show is, you know, how important is the cinematic experience is that kind of question. You know, I'm on the lookout for these teens at the movies, man. Yeah. I'm seeing if they're still out there and you know, they showed up for bones and all a yeah. little bit. It's it's interesting, but you know, that's the kind of that question. That sounded weird that I said I was looking for the teens <laughs> at the movies. I will have to acknowledge that. Sorry. I was wondering why you bought a van, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I think because I think that's a fun question to wrestle with, whether mm-hmm. you know wherever you fall on For that, sure. and that's something we've talked about at large along in in the past. Uh, so it would be that kind of question. It would be the idea of the magic of cinema, the spectacle of cinema, and we'd actually start with another movie from this year, The Fablemans, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of the inspired by Spielberg's life, mm-hmm. and, and you know early in that movie, uh, the family take him to his first film, which is the greatest show on earth, uh, Cecil B. DeMille's uh, Barman Bailey movie, mm-hmm. uh, and he's enraptured. By yes, P.T. Barnum, not good people. Nope. Um, well, and Wiley regarded to be like a bad best picture winner. Yeah. So kind of cool that that's the movie that like means so much to him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's, a, you know, there's this set piece that he sees, you know, right. The, the, which is the spectacle of cinema. And then a few moments later, there's a scene uh, where he's starting to recreate. He's got a camera. He's got a train set. And he's re- trying to recreate that scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's shot almost like, uh, oh, what is the train arriving at the station? You know mm-hmm. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, where, yeah that Lumiere actuality. Yeah, famously, yeah. you know, audiences, you know, thought the train was coming into the room. Like, there's, there's shot almost, yeah, right. One of those great uh, folklore moments of we cinema. It. Um, but it's shot almost to kind of, I think, simulate that idea. Uh, so we talk about Failman's and the impact of experiencing movies in a movie house and the way that inspires people. Mm. Uh, so we'd start with the wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I think we'd go back and talk about the transition from black and white to color and the spectacle of that and the magic of that moment and, and a movie that still very much works, uh, I would say. And I think Dustin would argue as well mm-hmm. um, in, in its effect and its impact. We'd probably talk about the greatest show on earth just to have some kind of reference there for it. Uh, we'd talk about singing in the rain, uh, the magic of that. And then moving from, uh, Silence to talkies and, and dance numbers and one of the best special effects and, and some good uh, comedy there from uh, Gene Kelly, not Gene Kelly. Yeah, no, the guy that does make the, the fun one, Cosmo. Yeah. Uh, <sighs> can't think of his name either. Yeah, but Cosmo. I can't get it um, right now. And then we talk about Psycho and, and the shower sequence and the impact no that, that has. No one will be admitted after the film is started. Yeah, and exhibition and trailers and the cult of the director and how that affects movie going and. Where that leaves us today with guys like Chris Nolan and and at at all, I suppose, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Babylon, what's his name? Oh, Chazelle. Yeah, right. Some, yeah. some directors who have that still following that they can't do wrong mm-hmm. mentality. Uh, we'd look at Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. and, and, yeah. and talk about the impact that has uh, in theaters. We'd talk about Jaws and the rival of the blockbuster and the tentpole. Uh, we'd look at A New Hope. We'd talk about Jurassic Park. And the use of practical effects and the immersion into that world that that Spielberg creates. We talk about Avatar uh, again. I figured uh, James Cameron's decade-long effort of 
developing new technology mm-hmm. and ways to shoot and new ideas. And, and we'd probably talk about Avatar Way of Water. His, Big Jim. 13-year follow-up to that I really movie. want to see Avatar Shape of Water. And I mean, that's I the first movie, isn't it? I don't think I could convince Becca to see Way of Water. Can we do that as a field trip? Because I feel like I have to I have to see the movie for anthropological reasons. <laughs> we may. I have a handful of students who are begging me to take them. Really? So, really? Yeah, we might. We Poor might, suckers. Yeah, we might make a, a day of it, maybe. We'll that's see what cute. we can do. You want to expose them to him? Oh, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> who, me? We'd also talk about the Avengers and, and the excitement of that experiment of the MCU and, and where that all started mm-hmm. and talk about maybe how it's gone. Yeah. And how then. it's impacted exhibition. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Greatly. Uh, and then we talk about another movie uh, from this year, which again, feels old school and it's spectacle and it's Nope from Jordan Peele. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, which it feels, feels like Jaws. Yeah. In, in many ways. And so that's what we talk about though. And just, I think wrestle with that question. I think there'd even be an assignment or a paper, you know, does the cinematic experience hurt or hinder it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there's something fun to wrestle with there. So that's what we talk about. And that's what we do. Very fun. Very fun. Okay, Dalton, what would you do with Top Gun Maverick in a classroom? Well, we've talked about how it's <laughs> propaganda, obviously. All right. Yeah. Cause I'm, that's who I am. Cause it is. Cause it is, it is. And that's okay. And just Lo- like the first movie was. But lots of movies are. Right. And that's what we'll talk about is how many movies are propaganda. At least they didn't set up enlistment boost this time. Do what? I said at least they didn't set up enlistment boosts this time. Oh, God. Yeah, no kidding. That's right. They did that in the first one. Right. I forgot about that. Uh, I like yeah. to talk about that movie in class and talk about ethos. Mm-hmm. Because that was their military's attempt to rebuild their ethos. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. After Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, man. This That's the first one's an interesting movie to teach. Just like, And this will be an interesting movie to teach when people mm-hmm. start teaching it. Um, but I, I think we start with the history of propaganda. We'll probably look at, you know, some racist Looney Tunes uh, car- caricatures from uh, the, war, the war. What? Yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, they made some racist Looney Tunes during the I war. I shocked. Uh, we probably Thank talk you. about Lenny Riefenstahl, but I don't think I'm going to make anybody watch Triumph of the Will. I have shown clips of Triumph of the Will. I, I, clips, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't imagine screening the whole thing. Though. No. That's what I mean. That's just like, come on, who, what, what, are, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think after, this is probably going to be in a module about propaganda in the 21st century specifically. Uh, so we definitely look at a film from a couple of weeks ago, RRR, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. kind of a shining example of sort of national pride propaganda as, as opposed to any like specific military endorsement. Uh, but then we would look at something like uh, Captain Marvel and uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, two films from the MCU that had a lot of DOD money and approval going into them, had that DOD signature of approval on their stories. Uh, and so we would kind of talk about like, okay, how do these films function is despite being superhero movies, how do they function as recruitment efforts by the military? Um, what is, is being how is the military being depicted uh and especially with winter soldier like how how is the idea of rogue states rogue actors within the military like what does that mean mm-hmm. how does that how does that impact like how we think about our own government um we'd look at Catherine bigelow's zero dark 30 uh, which is if you don't think that film's propaganda I got news. You're not watching. You're it. not watching it. Yeah, I, I I try to convince myself that movie wasn't propaganda for a little bit, and it so is, man. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it doesn't mean it's not an effective film, uh, but it, it definitely is propaganda. I think we talk about that, and uh, we'd look at uh, a Chinese film from last year, The Battle of Lake Changjin. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. You heard about this? I have heard the, of it. I haven't the, seen it. The most successful Chinese film ever made. Uh, the second most successful film uh, of 2021, right behind uh, the Spider Man, I believe. Uh, but yeah, it's about a a battle of of uh, it's a about the battle of the Chosin Reservoir during the Korean War and how mm. uh, the People's Party's uh, uh, 
uh, army turned back the U.S. And it was commissioned as part of the party's like 100th anniversary celebrations. Um, so I think it'd be interesting to look at another nation's 21st century propaganda. Again, we've already got RRR mm-hmm. on the docket, but with this, we're specifically looking at military propaganda, something that is meant to b- prop up another nation's military. And I think that would be a lot of fun to kind of compare and contrast American versus Chinese military propaganda. I really thought you were going to say 13 Hours, the Michael Bay um, Benghazi movie. Oh, you know, we sure, why not? Yeah, yeah I think that would be, would be interesting, especially because it's, you know, valorizing like not it's valorizing veterans who work as private military contractors. Right. Uh, well, and I guess veterans who work in like the intelligence services mm-hmm. as well. Well, and, and propagandistically sort of approaching that sort of Hillary Clinton, asleep at the switch thing. Yeah. And, well, yeah. specifically like, it's not just a nationalist propaganda. It's got a political agenda political within agenda, yeah. the, the nation. Yeah, for sure. I think that that's an interesting one to look at for sure. Um, Dustin, what about you? How would you teach Top Gun? Maverick? Well, as promised from last week, if you were listening last week, this is um, a critical theory part two in yeah. expanding the syllabus. So I would teach uh, this uh, film in a critical theory course, a film theory or critical theory in general. And uh, one thing that I tend to do with any sort of lit survey class or theory course or something where I'm teaching a, a selection of films or plays or books or whatever is I tend to pick a movie in that course or a book or a writer that I haven't spent a whole lot of time with and uh, and give me a chance to read it, uh, to give me a chance to spend some time with it and see, see student reactions to that. And so what I would do here is I would ch- choose a lesser sung theorist, uh, a guy named Paul Virilio, and I would teach Paul Virilio next to this film. Paul Virilio is uh, he's a French theorist, um, although it, you might be eagle-eared and notice that Virilio is not a French name. His uh, father was a Italian communist and his mother was a French Roman Catholic and he said hey why not do both and so he did uh, which is kind of cool uh, as far as his sort of like political and uh, theological ideology but he writes a lot about stuff that's interesting for the sake of uh, political theology or political theory and also in the realm of media theory Mm -hmm. uh, talking about this idea of speed and of globalization and so uh, the speed of politics is sort of his big book there and then uh Cinema, The War of Cinema is another one of his big books um, that would really kind of touch on these ideas. And one of the things that he talks about is how speed reduces the side, uh, size phenomenologically of the world. The idea of the world shrinking. The world's not actually shrinking, but our experience of the world is shrinking. And the ways in which speed allows that to happen. And this movie's very much about speed. Big time. And about swiftness. And that globalization is a way in which speed works. In his, in his politics, he talks a lot about how peace is the new war. That you don't have to have a war declared in order to wage warfare. And so this whole rogue state uh, mission of destroying this nuclear facility spoilers i guess i mean that's not really a spoiler that's that's the, uh, that's, death, the that's the death star that they're destroying uh for the sake of uh the film um by doing that kind of thing in a time of peace without a declaration of war but for the sake of maintaining the peace mm-hmm. right this act of war um that is uh something that virilio talks about pretty extensively and his dromology of the need for speed and able to do that dromology is from dromos in the greek which means race or racetrack uh, latin 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 parable Bellum. You know, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever that saying well, is. Theorists are famous for coining new words. And so uh, dromology is sort of the governing principle of the world right now. And then he goes on to talk about this sort of mediated sense of speed of media, that the world at the speed of light um, gives us greater distance, even though we have greater access to information. We're further and further away from these events. And so when we see the shock and awe, which he predicted, of, uh, say, the, the Second Gulf War, or we see the... Um, 
the video kind of uh, reconstructions of the, the the plan to do the 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 what the, the tunnel run of um, oh in this movie of this movie right that that what we do is we we see these sort of anonymous distanced uh, figures and we don't really think about them as actually people uh, again hundreds of scientists died in. <laughs> This facility that gets bombed in this movie. Oh, sure, yeah. right? Uh, and uh, again, it's a uranium enrichment facility, and nuclear proliferation's bad, and yada yada yada. But um, that being said, we do murder a whole bunch of people for the sake of uh, keeping at the peace here, and so that's just I, I think an important thing to note. And Virilio um, is real incisive in uh, pulling that together. When's he, he writing? Uh, he's writing uh, up until the the early part of the twenty first century. Okay, um, and so and so with these books, the speed of media and. Uh, spe- uh, so uh, the the speed of uh, of uh, of politics is seventy seven, okay. um, and then the war cinema one war is, cinema. Uh, is in the late nineties. Okay, I want to say, and so he's got a pretty expansive career. He's a really difficult writer. He writes um, a lot in uh, t shirt phrases, bumper stickers, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit there. He's got a real poetic kind of style there, and it's not it's a real intuitive observational kind of writing. So um, you don't want to press it too hard in terms of building a system out of it. But I think his his ideas are really kind of thought provoking and it'd be interesting to do that with students and to see the ways in which some of his concepts are at work in a movie like Top Gun Maverick, which I've tried to illustrate now. Um, And so that's, that's the idea of what I would do um, in a, in again, a kind of a standard theory course um, doing it that way. So there you go, dear listener, your syllabus just got quite a bit longer and in some ways much more difficult. Um, I think it's now time to get down to business. That's right, dear listener, and that business is, as always, analysis. Um, shall we talk about personas and stars? Sure. Because sure. I think that is kind of the biggie on the eye chart in this movie. This is a vanity project for one Thomas J. Cruz. And he made them hold on to it. This was supposed to come out in 2020. And yeah. he said, no, you, you wait. We wait till the box office is ready for us. He was smarter than Chris Nolan. Yep. Well, Chris Nolan's, I guess, more up his own ass than Tom Cruise, which I wouldn't have guessed. Really? <laughs> mm, yeah, he is a di- he is a director. That's true. Jury's still out. Tom, um, Tom Cruise you know, worked both with Stanley Kubrick and with the Church of Scientology, so he knows how to subserviate himself, uh, to you know, lay himself at the altar of somebody else's work. Well, you know, there's it's it's interesting. Uh, we haven't done a ton of Tom Cruise movies on the show. Have we memory not? serves. We've, we've done, done Minority Report. We've done A Few Good Men. Mm-hmm. The first Top Gun. The first Top mm-hmm. Gun, yeah, right. Uh, Minority Report, I said. I was looking at his film. <laughs> trying to find his uh, filmography. A Few Good Men. Um, we haven't done Cocktail we or Risky Days Business. Of, we, we, have, Days of Thunder? we haven't no, done Days of Thunder. We haven't done any of the early ones. None of the Missions Impossible? Um, no, we haven't done a single Mission Impossible no. movie on the oh, show. Man. I'm holding on to those. Yeah. Uh... Wow, so not a lot of cruise coverage for us. That's no. interesting. He's kind of he's Mr. Movies though. He wasn't always, but he sort of has become between I think the Mission Impossible franchise uh and sort of the very public shifting release date. We did of this Jack Reacher. Oh, oh, we yeah. did do Jack Creature. Jack, Jack <laughs> Creature, of course. Jack Creature. Yes, of course. Well, he was at an interesting place, <laughs> right? When cuz he kind of did notable videos about going to see 
Tenet, right? Mm. And seeing it in theaters. Yeah. Like, I mean... Well, and was very famously, like, got yelled at somebody on set about not taking COVID restrictions yeah. seriously. Like, we're setting the standard yeah. for going back to work. Like, he believes in the movies as a part of the backbone of society. Yeah. yeah. In interesting ways, I think. And he's talked at large about doing a sequel to Top Gun. I mean, the fact that... I mean, I mean, people have seen Top Gun. I think some people like Top Gun, but... <laughs> A lot of people it's, like Top Gun. I mean, it's 36 years, you know? I mean, it's mm-hmm. obviously, I mean, this is an IP movie, obviously, but it's not an IP movie in the same way as the Marvels or mm-hmm. the Star right. Wars. Like, I don't know that people were like, clam- I mean, I'm sure some diehard Top Gun fans are like, I wish they'd do a sequel. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure people weren't just clamoring for this movie. No, and I no. think the, the, I mean, I think this is his biggest opening and biggest film financial, like box office, right? I think is really interesting as well, the way mm-hmm. people have responded to that. But yeah, he, he does have a love and appreciation of the movies, capital M, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Right. And that experience and that intrigue is, is so, I think palpable to him. And and he has worked with, I mean, giants in the industry sure. as far as directors and filmmakers. Some and, of the biggest. Yeah. I mean, I guess all the biggest really probably, I mean, he has worked with some, so he has worked with like some, some of the Gen X heavy hitters. I mean, yeah, he has right. worked with like, no one, yeah, no one, no one, or QT, or but yeah. he worked at PTA, you know, yeah. and, and again, uh, obviously, it's a great Spiel, success. Uh, I mean, great there, success. I there's mean. a trajectory of his career where he goes very Jimmy Stewart, right, and really goes in with the auteurs mm-hmm. and really makes those great movies. But he really went, um, I think, more Charlton Heston blockbuster, right? This, and, yeah. this, this most recent last yeah, 15, 20 years of his yeah, career, that, that's, yeah, that seems to be the direction he's gone. Well, there's a lot of you know, um, uh, obviously. He was the guy in the 80s and early 90s, right? I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. you go to see a Tom Cruise movie. I mean, very much definition of movie star. I think he's probably looking for validation. He starts doing stuff to maybe get an Oscar Gets or try range. to get an Oscar, right? right? He works with Born PT. on the 4th of July. Yeah. I mean, it starts late 80s and kind yeah. of goes throughout so, the entirety I mean, of the 90s. Yeah, he, he, I think he's trying to prove that he's more than... A the movie star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's part yeah. of his. I mean, especially late 90s, got the one two punch of uh, Magnolia yeah. and Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, yeah. come on. Yeah. And then he jumps on the couch. Uh, Divorce. A lot from, of things happen. Divorce from Kidman. Yeah. And then Church he's got drama. to try to find a way to salvage his image. And he goes back to Mission Impossible. Well, and War of the Worlds goes back to Spielberg, Spielberg. in 04, yeah. 05. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and really tries to rebuild himself. Yeah. And in, in, in the public image. And I think. In, in a lot of ways uses movies as almost a um, philanthropic effort. Mm-hmm. You know, right. It's yeah. like, that's the charity he gives to is the movies mm-hmm. and, and to harvest that culture and that society around going to movies and seeing movies and the magic of the movies. Yeah. And he's a guy who's very protective of his image, just like mm-hmm. Will Smith, who we talked about recently, who's very similar in, you know, when you talk about movie stars who protect their brand, you think of Will Smith Think of Tom Cruise. Think of The Rock the now. Rock. Mm-hmm. Who's like much more active in like peddling his brand. Peddling's like the an rock. ugly word, but yeah, The Rock. The Rock is just like a walking NASCAR yeah. at mm-hmm. this point. Yeah. He's, he's like, just covered I don't in know, decals for The Rock. I don't know where the brand ends and Dwayne Johnson begins. Right. But I guess I, I guess I could say the same thing for TC. Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I just, I don't know that he's out there. Like, I guess he is. I just, I feel like he gets caught 
championing his brand more than I feel like I see him like being on Instagram. Well, it's he's, different he, because his thing is he's on social media. I'm though, right. Gonna, I don't think he has. I not like he, The Rock. I don't think yeah. he has that. Yeah. Yeah. But Tom Cruise's thing is like, yeah, I climbed the highest building in the Middle East or in the world. Yeah. Well, he does the, he does the Adam Sandler it. thing. You know, Adam Sandler gets his money to go on a vacation. Um, Tom Cruise does his stuff because these are the adventurous things I want to do. He's yeah. adrenaline junkie. Yeah, I want to fly a plane. I want to jump yeah. off a building. I want to climb that big building. It's a very fascinating career it's such well and you know amy nicholson uh who wrote literally wrote the book on tom yeah. cruise like often you'll hear her lamenting. I look for that yeah it's supposed to be a good book but you'll often hear her lamenting this turn in his career right this pivot towards being mr movies to, to being the blockbuster guy because it does make his career like necessarily less interesting uh because he is taking projects that aren't like challenging him as an actor but he as you say arthur he's become something different well, I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement early on because one of the big things in that sort of comeback period was Tropic Thunder when he mm -hmm. did Les Grossman, which was yeah. dramatically, you know, this bizarre cameo thing he's doing in comedy. You know, so, it's right. so weird. It's so good. And that friendship. One of he has his finest Stiller. performances. Yeah. And I think people were probably hoping for more of that, more of uh, P.T. Anderson, you know, more mm -hmm. of those sorts of things to come. And he really did pivot back to the franchise. Mm -hmm. Um, as the backbone of his image. And this is an interesting one. You know, I feel like Mission Possible Fallout is a film that talks about, like, within the text of the film, it talks about Ethan Hawke and, by extension, Tom Cruise, mm -hmm. as somebody who is carrying the Ethan weight of Hunt. the world. It, it, did I say Ethan Hawke? Yeah. yeah. Of course. I, of course. <laughs> I was I like, it's not in that. Uh, Ethan Hunt is, like, carrying the weight of the world on yeah. his shoulders. And, like, it makes a pretty clear, like, draws a line to Tom Cruise, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. The film yeah. does. Uh, and this film is kind of doing the same thing, but it also acknowledges that he is getting old. Yeah. Which I, it, the, his movies don't normally acknowledge. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, the the common, I think, main reading of this is, you know, cinema versus streaming, right? Mm. You know, he is a, a product of a bygone era, Maverick is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, very much Tom Cruise as movie star, right? And, you know, he gets that line of, maybe, but not today. Mm -hmm. right? when, yeah. when they say you're, you're kind of fleeting. And it really does kind of feel like that line in the sand. Well, it, and it, that's sort of the drones versus the pilots kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's like and the guy in the box when is the thing. Netflix yeah. has algorithms writing movies to create content without really any sort of artistic merit mm -hmm. to it. And the idea of I think streaming has been great in that it has allowed more voices to have their films made and mm -hmm. seen. Yeah. And I think and that accessibility is great. is great. Yeah. I think Netflix uh, streaming has done a lot of damage because they just tend to bury those movies yeah and it's yeah. harder to champion if you don't even know they exist it's great when they bring us aroma or a power of the dog but they sure do don't seem proud of those movies when they don't win I was, best academy or best picture yeah i was very concerned they were going to bury pinocchio right you know right and, and so there are those concerns that arise and it, it does feel like that line in the sand of yeah but not today there's still a place for the the movie in the movie house. Mm -hmm. And I think the the really meta interesting thing about this movie is the way in which he pushed these actors to become directors in their own way. Like when you're in that plane, you're going to have to run the slate. You're going to have to know when he taught them cinematography, he taught them lighting, he taught mm -hmm. them all those elements to kind of foster them as their own filmmakers and their own directors within that. And there's this way in which I think he does really want to preserve movie going and movie making in a way that's much different than a guy like Scorsese, who mm -hmm. is very much about film preservation and, and taking care of the movies you're never going to hear of or see because they're international or old and may be disintegrating. Well, he's our sort of best contemporary example of star as auteur. 
I think. Yeah. Sure. I mean, yeah. sure. you know, I mean that the the way in which you can think about auteurism in terms of other ways other than the director. And you can think yeah. about producers, you know, Val Luton at RKO in the forties, or you can think about auteurs as um screenwriters, and there's a number of screenwriters that are, you know, Andy Kaufman uh, comes to mind, you know, immediately for that. Um and, and he really is that sort of I am going to make a this kind of movie, and this is what we're going to do. And again, his role, I mean, he's doing the training. He, I mean, he really is directing the film in many ways. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even mentioned Joseph Kaczynski's name yet. Mm-hmm. And his yeah. other movie that came out this year on Netflix mm-hmm. uh, completely flopped, right, critically, and nobody probably saw it. Yeah, it did. Netflix is very proud when That's people Grayman, watch right? stuff. No, that no, was no, the Russo uh, Brothers. Spider, Russo Brothers. Spider yeah. Island. Or... Yeah, with Chris Hemsworth. Is that what it's called? Spiderland. Is it just called Spider know. Island? Maybe. I don't know. It's got a bad title. It's got spider in it. Yeah. But yeah, there is this way in like, if you watch some of the behind the scenes stuff and they talk about he's the one who's composing the, the, the flights, he's the one who's setting all that up. This is very much a Tom Cruise directed movie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think Kaczynski's on the ground calling cut. I think mm-hmm. Kaczynski's probably giving ideas and input. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, it's yeah, very much co-directed he, by Tom Cruise. Yeah, he's hiring electricians yeah. and doing the sort of stuff the directors yeah. need to do, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think very much when it's in the heat of the moment and the the, the things that make this movie the, what it is, it's mm-hmm. very much Tom Cruise directing and mm-hmm. the the six to eight pilots under him who he has trained right. to do what he needs them to do. Right. Right. And I, I think that's very interesting in the way this movie is a movie about making movies and mm-hmm. very interesting pair. I think with Gemini man, another one where another mm. movie star and, and Will Smith is wrestling with Aging. age and where am I? The great thing about Will Smith and Tom Cruise is they both still look 40 right? and can, it doesn't do make any sense. And yeah. there's a, there's a kind of a telling moment where, where Cruise does nod to his age in other ways. You Time know, is like, your greatest enemy. Time is your great. Well, then him, yeah, him, yeah, him, yeah. him him hanging with the guys playing football and then leaving and having to sit down. Yeah, he, yeah. he does sit down, but he's never like not competitive. Mm-hmm. But he does like okay, now I'll rest for a little while. But that's the only difference. It's not that I can't keep up; it's just that I can't go as long. Another fun little Easter. If I'm not mistaken, the audio that they use uh, for some of that football is the audio from the volleyball match. That's fun. Mm. That's cool. that's that's cheeky. I like that. I like a little nod there. I like that. That's that's a fun sequence though. Mm-hmm. They had to reshoot a lot of that too. Really? Yeah, I guess they. I've seen interviews where because the guys all had to like you know lose a lot of weight, get super dehydrated or whatever, so they oh, could film that. Feel cut, and then yeah. they had to redo it, and they're like three weeks later, and they'd all eaten like garbage. Oh, oh right, right, yeah. you know, which is just kind of fun. Put that's on a bunch of water. Yeah, yeah, that's so. great. Interesting. There's this interesting thread throughout the film of. Maverick wanting to be a surrogate father to Rooster. Right. Uh, we, and we talked about the the, the ginned up contro- or controversy, conflict between the two of them is that he pulled his application to Naval right. Flight School. Uh, and so he sent him back four years. Is it that or Annapolis? I could never understand it. I think it was flight school. Okay, flight school yeah, itself. That's... So he'd already graduated from the academy then. Okay. Yeah, but... and it's on on his dying mother's orders, right? Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. It, it is, you're right, because there that doesn't feel... Like it works as well as it, it could because mm-hmm. he doesn't seem to care about the goose thing as much yeah, as he does he, about the papers. He seems to. He's more mad that he couldn't go to flight and he lost four years on his career. Yeah. He only mm. brings up the like, you killed my dad to hurt him. And right. it doesn't really like it. If it, it, it rings hit. as hollow yeah. because I think he's he doesn't mean it. Yeah. 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 Well, like he knows better already, too. Yeah. You he, know? he already knows that he doesn't really mean it. He just knows it's going to hurt to yeah. say it. 
yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's because, I don't know. But tell- I agree that, that the tension's never there like mm-hmm. it should be. And I guess the movie asks a lot of Teller. You know, there's like a, quite a few scenes where it's all on his eyes. Like he's covered up with his flight his flight helmet yeah. and his, his face mask. Well, there's that great moment where he's doing the push-ups and he just breaks down. Mm-hmm. That's a good moment yeah. for him. I think. Yeah, I agree. That's that's one where he's really Well, shining. I think Teller needs to play himself younger uh, for it to work as well. I, I think, and this is, I mean, I love Teller Stash. Okay, I think and the stash is good. I think the yeah, stash is good, bit. and I think it's obviously he looks make it, weird blonde. Making that connection to, to him and 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 to Goose. Oh sure, yeah. right is, is why he has it. Yeah, but it also makes him look too old. Interesting. And I I I think if it was if it was stashless Teller, he because he does look thirties, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he's and my I, age. Yeah, he's, and I don't know he's what like the 32. average age of a I have top not. naval air force fi- uh, air, naval air yeah, pilot I is. I um, mean, they're all captains. As yeah. Yeah, I mean, but so Glenn Powell doesn't look looks. as old and rugged as. Well, uh, the, you start out with tenants. I mean, you know, uh, okay. So yeah, so they're all officers. Though, yeah, they're officers. Yeah, um, but nonetheless, I mean, that's still you know mid twenties or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be. I, he just needs to be. Younger. He needs to be a kid. He needs to be a kid because you kill my dad and you're you're not really my he, real dad. And you know, he needs to have too that. old to not be sure of himself. Which I guess he he plays sure of himself. You know, he shows up out of uniform. He's the only one that's you know too cool He's for the, the uniform. Cock of the walk, if you will. Yeah, yeah. sort of a rooster. Sort of a rooster, you might say. Dreaming, in fact. Uh, but I don't know. It's just sort of interesting, like Maverick as an extension of the Navy as surrogate father, mm-hmm. as the armed forces as, interesting. as daddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's sort of an interesting play there. And again, like this, I think the movie's cowardly to not kill Maverick. If, if they wanted to have their cake and eat it too, they want to have him sacrifice himself to save uh, Rooster and the Rooster comes back and saves him. And it's just nonsense. Yeah. It's it's pure and all the line you told mention. me not to think. It's pretty good. Man, it's good laugh. <laughs> it totally works. That's one of the weird movies that has enough, like a fourth act. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that got kind of a weird often. structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 They but go on right. a whole I mean, other hijinks. I think, you know, thinking back in theater is like, that's the more interesting movie is Maverick dies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. They killed mm-hmm. James Bond because they knew it would be more interesting. But, Spoilers for the most recent well, James Bond. Thank you for that. Oh, shit. I'm so sorry. I thought you'd all seen it. I guess he did have time to die. He did. He did have time He's to gotta die. He's got to go do glass onions. Um, anyway, <laughs> but uh, but also watching this, it's like Tom Cruise isn't going to let himself die, right? No. No. Right. You know, which is the the other thing with that movie star ego kicks in, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Again, in, in a movie where he's brave enough to say time is your greatest enemy, like you, you, you really want him to to go out. Yeah. Well, and I guess it's it's a different version that doesn't quite land the the way it does land in Creed, where um, you mm. know we have Sylvester Stallone telling uh, Michael B. Jordan, you know, time time's the champ, he's undefeated, mm-hmm. you know, and like you believe that in mm-hmm. a way yeah. that it's 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 much more authentic than what we see coming. Yeah, out if of Tom Cruise it, looked older and wearier, mm-hmm. it might land a little better, and he could play it weird. I, I think he could too. I think the other thing about this is, and we haven't really talked about this, is you know some people will point to this as a le- you know quote legacy sequel. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that it really fits that because it's still Maverick's movie. You yeah. know, if Rooster were main character, I think that's where you get that moment. Yeah, but with we're Rooster really playing, passing off the baton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's not about passing the baton. No. It's, I mean, he's got his own love interest. Speaking of, well, we'll get to it in a second. Um, but yeah, it's it's his movie. Yeah, it's just it just is. You're so right. Which is a really interesting delineation between just really long time span between sequels. Yeah. and leg a sequel. Yeah. Right, yeah. Def- kind of defining those terms as well. Right. Yeah. What are you So his it's just funny to me that, you know, he sneaks out. She doesn't she wants to be a good example for her daughter. Uh and, and so he's got to sneak out when there's uh, sneak out of the window after they've hooked up. Yeah. 
and his daughter, her daughter, Jennifer Connelly's character's daughter, catches him, and she's like, "Well, just don't break her heart this time." And then he goes on the most dangerous mission that anyone has ever flown. Right. We've been told the entire movie that this is the most dangerous mission anybody could possibly do. This child just said, "Don't break her heart." Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's why they don't kill him. It's a lot more realistic for him to die. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, that's something the movie does not want to engage with. And that's another DOD sign off thing. Like, this shit puts strain on people's relationships. Yeah. It right. really does. Yeah. yeah. Like, She's all too willing to be like, no, go. You need to yeah. go do this thing. And he shows up in the whites and yeah. she yeah. lets him go. And There's a reason we don't see any of that dialogue because there's nothing he could say that could possibly, possibly make it okay. Make her feel good. Yeah. yeah. The, well, no, the but idea is that the class to... A's get it done, is yeah. what it is. Yeah. But also, he's a tier one operator. He'll be fine. She, I mean, you know, the, the military partner spouses expected to know this is what you do yeah right yeah and it's this is the image that they want the you know yeah exactly the, the, yeah. the partner signs up for it as much as the yeah for sure the the mm-hmm. person and the, the movie does not really want to engage with that tension no. at all no uh, which is fair i understand why they it's don't a much it, different movie it does not make their movie <laughs> as clean as it should be speaking of things that are not clean uh this is a war without an enemy Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an anonymous rogue state yeah, right. deliberately unnamed targets and missions we don't know what country they're in uh and probably and this is where for really western asia yeah yeah uh, near it's east a wooded, or snowy central place. Asia. yeah maybe transylvania i don't know it's, yeah, it's the transylvanians um <laughs> they're up to no good dracula's to... building that nuclear power plant ah <laughs> oh, the power oh. it's your, was, it's your... well virilio was just yeah. sort of talking about this way in which that that distance is created by our separation even mm-hmm. though we have the speed of going there we're not there and that 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 way in which there's a spatio-temporal distortion now because of the distance with which we can travel and the speed with which we can do that militarily speaking that that again sort of um, re- makes us refuse to recognize the humanity of others, right? And it's a this sort of dehumanizing kind of piece there. Totally. And, and that's totally at work there. Yeah, I there's I just watched part of, and you'll have to excuse me, I, I haven't finished it. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the uh, uh, video essayist Big Joel. Um, our friend Heath from the Praise Down mm-hmm. sent a, a video of Big Joel's My Way, mm-hmm. and he's doing a series. It's uh, three, three works of art from the apocalypse or something to that effect. It's his most recent video, though, and he talks about this uh, artist who made something called The Nature of the Beast, and it's about the invasion of Iraq. Mm. Uh, and it's a sculpture of Colin Powell in f- that is placed, it's like a three-part uh, art piece. And it's a sculpture of Colin... Yeah, it's a sculpture of Colin Powell ba- build, made out of bomb rubble uh, at a recreation of the U- UN Security Council room Oof. with a print of somebody in front of a print of the Guernica t- mm. tapestry which the UN owns a mm. print of that. And they had to cover it up when Colin Powell made his speech justifying the uh, invasion. So th- this video kind of talks about, I, was, I you know, so I don't know entirely how much this connects to Virilio, uh, mm-hmm. but I watched enough of it that I don't know. It felt worth bringing. Yeah. Out. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he's interested in that kind of uh, the, the, archaeology of war um he did a he did a photo photography project right after world war ii he mm-hmm. he photographed fifteen thousand nazi bunkers that were built in france wow, wow. yeah and i uh, was an architect in real life and built these sort of bunker style churches which is fascinating as well that is fascinating. so but yeah i think there's some connective tissue there <clears throat> yeah i just i don't know this idea that we we live in a time and this is going to get real hideo kojima metal gear solid here but we 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 live in a time where war doesn't need enemies and mm-hmm. war doesn't need truth like you can just launch a war because you say so well the, here's the virilio quote peace is a new war yeah there you go yeah it is it's it's the maintaining of of the status quo the maintaining of the the quote the the no war mm-hmm. the, the wars that make there be no war 
it's yeah it's it's a weird time to be alive and has been for about 20 years now yeah uh 22 mm-hmm. years or so it just sort of even no matter how many countries we pull out of there's still places where we are mm-hmm. uh, and it's just weird that a movie can be like top gun maverick and just be like yeah yeah sometimes we blow up places that don't have a name and don't worry about it yeah they had uranium come on we had to do a death, that's enough we had that's to do a death star run on them so i don't yeah. know it's it's okay <clears throat> if you like a guy with a bunch of ears sewed onto him Mm, mm. Little, yeah that's right yeah crimes of the future reference yeah. again <laughs> i love it so well, let's go ahead and render a verdict now on top gun maverick i'll go to you first dalton what do you say shelf or trash for old mav well it's tra- it's the trash for old mav but it's because it's still in it's still an imax arthur just saw it in imax and this movie will probably be available to see in imax every couple of years for the rest of your life i mean it's <laughs> it's a big movie and right. when a movie's this big they put it i mean i you know i've seen 2001 a space odyssey in imax in my lifetime mm-hmm. so i I don't doubt that Top Gun Maverick will... I mean, they put E.T. and Jaws in this year, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that yeah. comes out every couple of years. I think Jaws has had a few runs. Yeah, a couple times. Uh, they did one for Raiders, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. This God, Forrest Gump even got an IMAX re-release. Uh, <laughs> so, it, I Have I you saw seen it. the... Is it Indian Forrest Gump movie? You mean the... The remake? Would, oh, I don't know about this. There's like, I think it's Indian remake of Forrest Gump. Interesting. From like this year. Oh, wow. Oh, shit. No, no, no. I d- have heard about you know this. About? I forget what it's called, but it's it's not like a remake, but it's super similar. And yeah. I don't think it's an official remake. But, but it's it like uh, an, mean, an Indian character sort of walking through Indian history. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I did hear about this. I, I'm totally blanking on the title. Um, but I, I remember this movie because I think we actually talked about it before. Lal Singh Chada. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds right. As you say. Indian yeah. Hindi language comedy drama film. There anyway, sorry to. It's a drama. No, 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 you're fine. Hey, this show is built on tangents, and we will never let that go. Um, yeah, again, I think you'll get a chance to see Maverick in IMAX again. So you know, you probably don't need to own this one. Uh, what do you think, though, Arthur? <laughs> Are you asking me if I'm going to shelf the best movie of 2022? <laughs> I am. And you're in good company. Lots of yeah. uh, people think that this is the best movie of the year. I mean, I I, I love it. I, I you know I do, and I would shelf it, and it, it feels like. It feels like generational movie. It feels like it'll be regarded as one of the best movies of American movies of mm-hmm. the decade, right? Yeah. It'll go down with Back to the Future, Jurassic Park, Avatar. Right. We'll talk about it in that same way. I think, wow. yeah, that's and so um, I, I love it. I, I shelf it. I, I think I highly recommend it to anybody. You know, it's one of those movies you, you, you see and catch it in IMAX if you get a chance. I will. I if I get the chance, I definitely that wasn't will. a recommendation. I mean, that is a recommendation, I but yeah. I mean, look, yeah. it's a little too long for my taste, but uh, the other day I was like, pretty cool. I was like, uh, I told Keisha, I was like, man, we're doing Top Gun on Sunday and it'd be kind of fun to go watch this in IMAX tomorrow since I've got to watch it anyway. So <laughs> I did. That's awesome. <laughs> you know? I'm glad you did. I am too. Because it's fun. No, that is fun. Seven months after it released. That's so nuts. That it's is still wild. In I guess there's just nothing out right now until... We well, didn't well, even talk like, about this. Distribution has, model wild. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say with Wakanda Forever out, I'm surprised it's getting IMAX showings. Yeah, I mean, it, they're minimal. Like, I think there was just one, and then it had a couple of standard showings as gotcha. well. Yeah. But uh, it, it's one of the few movies in a long time that's followed a very traditional... Blockbuster. ...home kind of. release mm-hmm. uh, timeline as far as it was on demand, I think, three months after release... I don't think it hit DVD till around five or six months and it goes streaming seven months after the fact in an era where everything is, I think 45 to 90 day streaming yeah. now. Yeah. So, I mean, they're very smart with that as well. Well, I mean, if something has legs at the box office, they will, they will continue to close the gates. Yeah. And I think that that's what they, they've shown us over the last year and a half of trying to figure out what 
the pandemic box office looks like because reminder still not over baby we're yeah. living in it um but but the, as they figured out what pandemic box office looks like i think studios have shown that if you don't come see it they'll give it to you yeah you want to watch bones and all nobody came and see it you can rent it in two weeks yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah i think you're right i think yeah. the legs have a lot to do with what they're willing to put with how they're willing to put eyeballs on their property. I think that's right. What do you think, Dustin? I think, um, and Arthur said exactly what I was thinking with, uh, in better words, uh, that this movie is going to be a cultural touchstone. It's going to be one of those referenced, well-known kind of movies. And it is, I think it is very much a, a 2020s Back to the Future. It is, it's just going to be one of those movies. Well, uh, again, like the 80s and, well, the original Top Gun. It is going to be that much uh, a part of the cachet. I mean, you know, negative Ghost Rider, that pattern is full. That's something I say from the first movie all the time. And that's the kind of thing I think about uh, a lot. And I think this movie is going to be that. And so for that reason, as a person who teaches film, it's just going to be the kind of movie that students are going to know. And I'm going to need to know it backwards and forwards because it's going to be an example that can be an extended example for various uh, parts of film theory and uh, just film education. So for me, I would shelf it for not so much pleasure purposes as... Literacy purposes, but um, that to say that's not fun. I do like it, but this is a good time. You'd shelf it in the same way you'd shelf Avatar. Yes, yeah. Would I, you shelf Avatar? We haven't done that movie on the show yet. <sighs> I mean, he but, says yet. I don't like that. I mean, it's got to happen. Placed right? on the horns of the dilemma, probably. probably. I guess. I don't love Avatar. I don't. Well, I, I but I didn't so, see it in three D. I saw it in two D. I, 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 I saw it in I saw it in three D on an anniversary day, and I was like, um, unobtainium. That's dumb. <laughs> And I stand by that. Yeah, uh, I remember thinking Unobtainium is dumb, but also the, come up with a better name the for Death your Star non for oil oil eighteens is also dumb. No, okay. You know, my recollection is <laughs> sitting there watching. If the they mid- shot anything dealing with Unobtainium as well, if they shot that Death Star run, then uh, we'd be having a different conversation. God, that does look really. Incredible, it does look great. Yeah. It? Well, I tell you what, that uh, F, uh, the the F eighteen coming out of the uh, splashed. Uh, smoke hole that was the uh, fifth generation fighter when hangman comes in that's a moment that's 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 a movie moment oh that yeah you incredible. knew hangman was gonna show up i yeah. am good i you're right i am good love <laughs> so hangman good uh, what were you gonna say i was just gonna say my memory of uh avatar is like seeing the early on in the movie seeing that spaceship orbiting pandora in 3d thinking wow this is what it must have been like to see a new hope in 77 and then like eight months later i saw it on blu-ray at my parents house and was like fuck this movie's not look that good yeah. <laughs> i don't so i don't know we'll see i didn't get to see the re-release that they just did uh i kind of wish i had just so i could have like a real point of comparison for how i feel about this movie now because i just can't imagine it feeling good at home there's just no way it was fine it was still it still danced with blue pocahontas but did you watch it recently i did for i had to teach it for a class oh, so yeah, yeah. That. okay well i guess we'll see uh what dances with blue pocahontas too feels like right. i really wanted to be shape of water not way of water though i'm uh, very curious i mean it has to be <laughs> to be profitable guillermo del toro's avatar is what i want well here here's the thing to be profitable we have to be talking about the way of water at the end of december 2023 uh because it's so expensive because it was so expensive to make yes for this movie to break even it's gotta be top gun maverick so we might be talking about it uh come next december who knows uh, we'll see. I guess. Uh, tell us what you think. You can uh, send us your feedback at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about Way of Water. Are you like me? Are you an idiot betting against Big Jim? I'm going to be wrong, just like I was in 2009. I'm still doing it. 
GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about Big Jim, Top Gun Maverick, and all other manner of movie thing. You can also find us on Twitter at GoodTrashMedia. Uh, you can find some written articles at GoodTrashMedia.com if you're into that. Um, you can also find me over on The Cinematropolis with Caleb Masters talking about the five best movies of 2022. If you want a little teaser of that, we'll, we'll make our own episode later in January, but if you want a little teaser about what I thought were the, were the best movies of 2022, I'm over on uh, the cinematic schematic with Caleb talking about my top five. So go check that out. I've got Ron Chapman on there, a local filmmaker. He's a really oh, yeah, cool guy. Ron. Yeah, he's, he'll be on that episode. It'll be a good time. Uh, if you want to keep up to date with that kind of stuff, it's at Good Trash Media on Twitter. You can see us posting about uh, p- episodes of stuff we make, episodes of stuff we're on, all that good stuff. And last but certainly not least, if you want to help us keep the lights on, go to patreon.com forward slash GTM, and you can find out what's in it for you, whether it's uh, picking a movie for us to talk about or getting a movie sent to you based on your taste. All kinds of rewards await you. Patreon.com forward slash GTM. Arthur, we've closed out yet another year. We did we, it, guys. We did it. Ten of them. Why don't you tell the people wild, what we're doing next week? It? I know what we're doing. God, it is wild that we're, we put a tenth year to bed. Uh, well, next week we are going to do what we always do at the end of the year. Uh, we're going to look back at this past year and the movies that we discussed for this show. Uh, and we're going to announce our annual Shelby Awards. We're going to drop the Hebrew hammer. We're going to hand out our best worst movie. Uh, and we're going to award the Platinum Shelf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll be recapping everything good trash from 2022. It's, uh, you know, look, it's an episode for us to take some time off. An exercise in self-congratulation. And, and maybe we'll think do... Think back and like, we talked about that movie this year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. right? Uh, and if it's anything like our last Shelby's, we'll spend a lot of time seeing who's available on Cameo to uh, <laughs> pr- present a Shelby for us. <laughs> I forgot about Kirsten, that. Kirsten listened to that and texted me was like, I would listen to just an episode of you guys <laughs> hanging out on Cameo. <laughs> So uh, look forward to the pomp and circumstance next week, listener. So there you go, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. I'm not afraid.